Hello everyone, welcome back to the Astrology for Beginners podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Kate Boucher, and I am so happy to have you here. This is the podcast for you if you have ever wanted to learn how to read a natal chart or were kind of interested in astrology and wished that you understood it more but didn't know where to begin or it seemed too complicated and you didn't have the time or the resources to invest in learning it. My goal is to break things down for you episode by episode in the most simplified way that I can so that you can learn to speak the language of the stars. So thank you for sharing your time with me. Today, we are here to continue our discussion of the zodiac signs. In last week's episode, we covered the first six signs, which are Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, and Virgo. So that would be spring and summer in the Northern Hemisphere, fall and winter if you are below the equator. And today we are going to cover the last six or second half of the signs, which are Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. Now, without repeating too much of what I said last time, I will just throw in a reminder that it's really important to listen carefully to all the sign descriptions, not just your sun sign or even your big three, because our charts are made up of all the signs. They all fall somewhere in our chart, so they are all significant to you, at least on some level. I'll also reiterate that when I describe the signs, I'm describing an overall energy or archetype that can be stronger or weaker in someone's chart, but the signs aren't the only factors that get considered in a reading or that can determine a person's story. Okay, we're going to start off today with Libra, which is the seventh sign of the zodiac. Libra, like Aries and Cancer, which we covered in the last episode, is also a cardinal sign because it signals a change in the seasons. Uh, But this one is the cardinal air sign. Libra season starts at the autumnal equinox, which is usually around the 22nd of September and goes until around the 22nd of October, depending on the year. The symbol for the sign is the scales, which are meant to represent the concept of balance, harmony, and justice. And in fact, those are all really good ways to describe a Libra or someone with strong Libra energy because they are widely known and appreciated for their diplomatic nature uh, and also their grace in social situations and an innate sense of fairness. Like all air signs, Libra is very relational. Air signs are all about focusing on people, and they each do it a little bit differently. So while Gemini, as you might remember, is likely to be more of a social butterfly out there making lots of connections, Libra is the partnership sign. It's about one-on-one partnerships, yes, for sure, But it's also about helping other people be in partnership with one another. They help people get along. 
They are the natural peacekeepers and peacemakers, and they are always seeking to maintain balance everywhere, all the time, or as much of the time as they can manage, at least. They want their relationships to be balanced. They want their surroundings to be balanced. And they don't really care for discord all that much. And if there is discord, they're probably going to try their best to smooth things over. Libra's ruling planet is Venus, just like Taurus. And Venus, of course, is the planet of love and relationships. So it's no surprise that Libra is so relationship-oriented and wants everyone to get along. Now, Venus is also the planet of beauty and art. So Libras are very much drawn to beautiful aesthetics. Libra tends to have impeccable taste in things like art or fashion or design. Um, And this isn't so much about extravagance or luxury or even status the way it can be with Taurus. It's more about seeking elegance and refinement just for the sake of beauty and beauty alone. Libra wants to be immersed in surroundings that are artful and charming. And they can be quite charming themselves, in fact. So they're kind of designed at their core to lure you in. Uh, Libra can do etiquette and politeness very well. And they can navigate even really sticky social situations because they just have that knack for promoting harmony. Beyonce, for example, is a Libra rising, and she has shown herself to be immensely graceful under pressure. Behind the scenes, in their personal lives, people with strong Libra energy in their chart tend to be very romantic, idealistic, and they really want partnerships that are deep and soulful connections. They are the true believers in love and often go to great lengths to nurture and sustain their relationships. Now, they do need to be careful because their desire for harmony can lead to people-pleasing tendencies or maybe uh, sweeping potential conflict or unresolved issues under the rug because they don't want to upset anyone. They are also known for being indecisive. That's a really common struggle for Libra energy because they're constantly weighing all of their options and trying to make decisions that are not only rational, but considerate of every other person involved. They just can't stand the idea that they might make the wrong choice and then ruin something for someone else or for other people. So learning to assert themselves and communicate openly is crucial for Libras in order to maintain relationships that are healthy and fulfilling. But Before you start to get the impression that Libra is wishy-washy, it has to be said that this sign is rarely afraid to stand up for what it believes in. It may waffle a bit on some of the smaller stuff, but if you're talking about something big, like say fairness or equity, both Libran concepts, right? Because balance. Then they become these passionate advocates for justice. And ultimately, their purpose here in the world is to create 
uh, a more fair, more harmonious and equitable society. So because of this, you'll often find people with this energy drawn to careers in law or government, uh, diplomacy, social work, activism, anywhere they can use their diplomatic skills to affect positive change and promote harmony in the world. After Libra, we have the sultry and mysterious sign of Scorpio, the eighth sign of the zodiac. It is symbolized by the scorpion, which represents uh, its intensity. Uh, it also represents transformation and regeneration or uh, rebirth. Uh, transformation and rebirth are huge themes with this sign. This is the fixed water sign. And people with a lot of Scorpio energy in their charts are known for having deep emotions, powerful instincts, and an unwavering determination. Scorpio season typically spans from October 22nd to November 22nd. It is ruled by Mars in traditional astrology and Pluto in modern astrology. Pluto is the god of the underworld in Roman mythology, so this is a sign that not only likes to dig deep underneath the surface of things that are normally hidden, in order to see what's really going on, but is also very comfortable working with all of the more uncomfortable or shadowy aspects of our existence. They are inherently drawn to the mysteries surrounding life and death, for example, and they can discuss those things or be in the presence of those things in ways that other people might avoid because it makes them squeamish. So Hospice work, for example, is something that a lot of people might say they couldn't imagine being able to do. But some people, if they have a very particular type of Scorpio energy or very strong Scorpio energy in their chart, may not be averse to this work at all. And in fact, they might find it fascinating or very fulfilling. Just an example. And just a side note here. It's not a coincidence that we have celebrations like Halloween or All Hallows Eve or All Saints Day or Day of the Dead or Diwali during Scorpio season because Scorpio energy creates a space for people to acknowledge the heavier, slightly darker aspects of human existence and get more comfortable with those things. Life isn't always rainbows and unicorns, and we need to find a way to work with that and grow from it. That's what Scorpio can teach us. Another thing Scorpio has a strong proclivity for is delving down into the hidden depths of the subconscious mind, uh, that's a different type of hidden territory, right? Uh, and Scorpio will excavate whatever's there and bring it up to the surface. Maybe that's a hidden truth. Maybe that's a buried emotion. But bringing things out of the dark and into the light is very important to Scorpio. So psychology is often a really strong interest here. And in fact, it's eerily common to find strong Scorpio placements among people who work in that profession because they're really good at it. They have really sharp instincts about what is actually true. They can feel their way past all of the noise and all of the bluster and figure out what's really going on 
even when there's not a lot of concrete proof. They're often correct, by the way. Their ability to read people and situations with a high degree of accuracy is pretty uncanny. They can pick up on all the subtle clues and hidden motivations that everyone else is probably going to overlook. So this makes them a bit like human lie detectors. It can be a bold move to lie to Scorpio people. If you decide to do it, good luck, Godspeed. It might not work out, though. Now, Scorpio is also a really interesting blend of both natural intelligence and intense emotional depth and passion. Scorpios tend to experience life with, I I don't know, a kind of rawness uh, and intensity that few other signs can match. That can be both exhilarating and overwhelming, of course. It can give them a ton of charisma and make them very magnetic and intriguing on the one hand. So there's a lot of potential to lead and influence people. But it can also make them broody on the other. They are fiercely loyal and protective of their loved ones, uh, especially their romantic partners. They crave a lot of intimacy and deeper spiritual connection. This is particularly true, I think, for anyone with a Scorpio moon. So casual or superficial relationships don't usually work that well for them, at least not for very long. And they can be, they can be passionate, but the shadow side here is that when they're out of balance, uh, that can show up as possessiveness or jealousy or power struggles, getting even. Scorpions sting, right? So holding grudges can be big and they can last a long time. It can be hard for Scorpios to move on when something's been done to them. I'm thinking of a very beyond famous pop star whom I love and who is quite well known for writing rather pointed songs about ex-lovers or other foes. Uh, Now, that's not to say this person is wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But I bring it up because it's a powerful demonstration of Scorpio energy because of the sting and because of that sharp ability to dig deep into the well of emotion uh, that lasts a long time. And there is very strong Scorpio energy in her chart. She appears to be a Scorpio rising. That pop star does happen to be Taylor Swift, if you were wondering and hadn't figured that out yet. So there it is. So there's really a need to develop strong communication skills in order to circumvent those possibilities. Uh, That would be the remedy here. Finally, Scorpio energy is very resourceful. Scorpio people can demonstrate a stunning amount of resilience. Uh, They are all about transformation and regeneration. So while their experiences can be intense, they'll typically find ways to rise from the ashes and reinvent themselves again and again and again. So stepping away from the shadowy and intense energy of Scorpio We now move into Sagittarius, which is anything but dark and shadowy. This is such a different energy from its predecessor. It's almost like the universe has us go through all of this time of thorough self-reflection, where we get to look at all of the prickly, pokey parts of our psyches that we don't want to look at the rest of the time, but it needs to be done 
So we go through the rather arduous process of excavating all the things. And then after a few weeks, the universe says, wow, lighten up, people. I've had enough of all this serious business. Like, let's go have some fun. Let's have some rainbows and unicorns again. What's so wrong with that? So it's very fun and a much, much lighter energy. The majority of the holiday season falls under this sign, which again is not an accident. Sagittarius energy is very celebratory. It's like the a very jovial host or hostess who wants to invite everyone over and make sure there's a huge feast waiting and then fills the room with enthusiasm and good humor and warmth so that everyone can just enjoy life for a while. It's the ninth sign on the wheel and it's the mutable fire sign. Its planetary ruler is Jupiter, the great benefic who brings optimism and expansion to everything it touches. It's represented by the archer or the centaur who is pointing his bow and arrow uh, toward new terrain, which is pretty perfect for a mutable sign. Sagittarius is indeed very adventurous, very open-minded. They are the explorers of the zodiac always seeking new experiences, acquiring new knowledge, and expanding their horizons. There's insatiable curiosity here. Now, as is the case with all signs, there are different ways this curiosity can show up. They could, uh, they could apply it to the outer world, literally going on adventures, traveling to faraway places, experiencing different cultures, or having physical experiences like hiking, rock climbing, skydiving, uh, or anything else that feels new and exciting to them. That would be like the free-spirited version of Sagittarius. Or they could be someone who expands their horizons in a more metaphorical way, like through study or research or philosophy or some type of truth-seeking that allows them to find the deeper meaning of life. The world of academia, for instance, falls under the rulership of Sagittarius, and so does religion, because this sign is about forming our beliefs or worldviews. So this sign is very philosophical. These are big-picture thinkers, not so much the ones you want handling all the little details of things, unless, of course, there are other things in a person's chart that would help manage details, like Capricorn or Virgo placements, for example. But it's more about ideas with this sign. Either way, Sagittarian people tend to be enthusiastic about what it is that they're doing. And again, they're optimists. They don't typically feel all that daunted by the challenges that crop up because they know that that challenge is ultimately an opportunity to grow. And they tend to think things will be okay. Whatever happens will somehow be okay. When I think of Sagittarius as an archetype, my mind goes to that novel, The, uh, the Alchemist by Paul Coelho. Uh, if you've ever read it, you'll know what I'm getting at here. Uh, the protagonist of the story Santiago goes on this big lengthy quest to find hidden treasure. And in doing this, he travels through far-flung places, encounters all kinds of different characters, and has wild, intriguing experiences along the way. And it ends up being a truth-seeking quest rather than the quest for actual treasure. So this whole story feels like a prototype for the Sagittarian experience to me. 
Okay, so we've gone through Sagittarius and had all of these grand ideas. So now what? Well, someone or something needs to come along to take these ideas and make a plan and put in the unrelenting hard work to bring them to fruition. And that someone or something is Capricorn. Capricorn is the 10th sign on the wheel. It is the cardinal earth sign because we have a change of season again. Capricorn season begins with the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere, which is around December 21st or 22nd. And it is symbolized by the highly focused and highly determined mountain goat. Make no mistake, Capricorn could easily be called the CEO of the Zodiac because this energy has an unwavering commitment to success in whatever endeavor they decide to take on. It's ruled by the planet Saturn, which is the planet of structure and discipline. So Capricorns are driven by a strong work ethic and a desire for achievement. They're natural born leaders and organizers of anything from projects to companies to movements, and they tend to have a real strong knack for long range planning. It doesn't really matter how long the plan takes either if they think it's going to work. They're very patient. They can look really far into the future at an end goal and then see exactly which steps are going to be needed all along the way in order to get there. And get there they will. They're great manifestors because not only are they ambitious and determined, they're also incredibly disciplined. If you're someone or you know someone who is uber responsible or has an almost inhuman level of self-discipline, chances are that you'll find either Capricorn or its ruler, Saturn, uh, placed somewhere really predominant in their chart. Another defining trait of Capricorn is their practicality. Uh, This is pretty typical of Earth signs in general. They're just grounded people who like tangible results over, you know, getting lost in more abstract ideas. They do have a reputation for being more serious characters. They might have a more stoic demeanor at times, uh, but they're intelligent, so they can also have a really good sense of humor too. And that can show up often as a a dry wit. I'm thinking of the older comedian and actor Bob Newhart, who was very popular in the 1970s and 80s and was famously known for having a very dry sense of humor and could use sarcasm quite well. He wasn't a Capricorn, but he had Saturn in his third house of thinking and communication, uh, which I see as a similar type of energy. Capricorn, while very stable and reliable, can get tripped up. The shadow side of Cap is that it can be, uh, because Capricorns are so oriented towards success, They have a hard time forgiving themselves when they make mistakes, and that can lead to depression at times, especially because their outlook on the world does tend to be more serious. They can come across as aloof or even cold without necessarily meaning to, and 
they're not always that spontaneous or flexible unless there are other things in the chart that loosen things up a bit, like Sagittarius placements or something like that. But overall, this energy is very loyal and makes for a very devoted friend or partner who will stick with you through thick or thin because they're willing to put effort into relationships too. It's not just their profession where that hardworking nature shows up. It's everywhere in their lives. So there can be a lot of longevity in a relationship with a Capricorn. Next up, we have Innovative Aquarius, the 11th sign of the zodiac. This is the fixed air sign. And don't be fooled by the fact that the first half of the word Aquarius is aqua. It is in fact an air sign, not a water sign. It is symbolized by the water bearer or water carrier though, despite it being an air sign. It has two planetary rulers, the traditional one being Saturn, just like Capricorn, and the modern one being Uranus. Now, these folks, people with strong Aquarius energy in their chart, are the visionaries of the world. They are forward thinkers who are continually seeking new and unique ways to improve the world. They can be quite progressive and unafraid of challenging the status quo or pushing the boundaries of convention. Social norms don't tend to be all that important to them, especially if they aren't logical or don't make sense to them, which tracks because rationality and logic are big themes here. They are intellectuals who tend to look at all the facts or the data in many cases, because lots of them are scientists or researchers, uh, in a really objective sort of way that is detached from outcomes. Like they're not going to go into an experiment or a body of research hoping for a particular outcome and get emotional about it. They just want to find out what's actually true. So there's this scientific type of calm, cool, and collected demeanor. And I just mentioned that you'll find a lot of Aquarians in science-related professions, but really they're pretty fascinated by any subject that would be considered modern or futuristic, like technology of all kinds. Elon Musk, for example, has his North Node, which again, your North Node is an indicator of where you're headed in life uh, in the sign of Aquarius. And of course, his whole thing is technological innovation. And interestingly, it's also in his eighth house of transformation. So it would seem that he didn't come here simply to just be interested in technology or involved in the field of technology, but to actually transform our technology collectively. Because that's another thing about Aquarius. At its essence, it's all about uplifting our collective experience and uplifting humanity as a whole. There's often a humanitarian bent here, whatever that means to the individual. It can vary from person to person, of course. At their best, they want things to be better for everyone. They want everyone to be healthier. They want everyone to have more or better resources. And they want everyone to have freedom, especially the freedom to be themselves. Uh, they themselves are often a little eccentric or quirky. 
and they very much need the freedom to express their own autonomy, but they believe that everyone else should be able to do that too. And they're very compassionate about that. And they notice when people are suffering, which creates a space for things like activism or fighting for the underdog or pushing back against oppression. So they're individualists on a personal level, but also very much focused on the well-being of the group, the community, and the collective. So in addition to scientific fields, an Aquarian type of person could also go a different way and be innovators who shake things up on humanitarian projects or social welfare endeavors or, again, activism, politics, even... uh, well, any field really, but wherever they end up, they're probably going to go against the grain and question a lot of things and rub some people the wrong way in the process because that's always a possibility when you're a pioneer. Where they can struggle sometimes is, again, being a little too detached in their interactions with other people like Capricorn, who is also ruled by Saturn. They can come across as aloof and have difficulty expressing their emotions or being vulnerable. And that can make their interactions seem impersonal or prohibit intimate connection. But really, there's a lot of compassion there and an overall spirit of looking for win-win situations. And that makes them just lovely folks to be around. Okay. That brings us to the 12th sign, the last sign, and that is Pisces. Pisces is the mutable water sign, and Pisces season goes from around February 19th to around March 20th. This is another sign with two planetary rulers. Its traditional ruler is Jupiter, and its modern ruler is Neptune. And its symbol is the two fish tied together with a rope swimming in opposite directions, which is meant to convey this idea of existing both in a world of fantasy and a world of reality simultaneously. Pisceans have a similar type of energy to the 12th house in astrology. So people with strong Pisces in their chart are able to tap into all the things in the universe that are hidden or not visible or tangible in daily life. It's a very dreamy, ethereal, almost otherworldly energy. And like all water signs, Pisceans are highly intuitive and much more attuned to the emotions and energies around them. But with Pisces, it's even bigger than being able to read a room or get a hit on what's really going on with your friend when you're sitting across the table from them, like Cancer or Scorpio. Pisces is actually tapping into the collective unconscious, downloading energy from humanity itself or even the divine all the time, whether or not they realize it, which can be pretty intense. And what you get as a result of all this emotional and spiritual perceptiveness, because Pisceans are often very spiritual, is a great deal of empathy and compassion. Pisces is known for being the most compassionate of all the signs. Not that the other signs aren't, but Pisces really takes compassion to the next level because they can feel the pain and suffering of others, including people who are 
on the other side of the globe whom they've never met or heard of as their own. And they can do this at a level that's deeper than the other signs might be able to conceive of. So they make really good humanitarians, counselors, social workers, and healers. A lot of Pisceans can end up in the health professions or any profession that allows them to alleviate suffering. They are drawn to do that a lot. There's also a ton of creativity here with this sign. Lots of artistry happens with Pisces placements. The imagination is just so vivid. And then when you combine it with their ability to tap into that divine consciousness, you get a lot of innovation around creative projects. Lots of celebrities and musicians have these placements. Michael Jackson was a Pisces rising, and so is Billie Eilish, to use a more recent example. And I think both of them are really good prototypes or examples of how that dreamy, otherworldly demeanor can show up. Rising signs are a great tool for getting familiar with the signs, by the way. If you want to get a better understanding of how the signs look and how they show up, I would look for someone's rising sign because that is the part of them that is most visible to other people. It's how a person shows up first before you get to know them better and open up the hood, so to speak, to see what else is going on underneath the surface. Okay, so where people can struggle when they have strong Pisces energy in their charts is having escapist tendencies. They can very easily retreat into their own imagination or their inner world when they want to avoid what's going on around them or when they're not interested. What's going on in the imagination is often a lot more exciting to them than the mundane activities of daily living. Uh, this can also be true with strong Neptune placements because Neptune rules Pisces. So if the qualities of this sign resonate with you, but you don't have any Pisces placements, I'd look at where Neptune is in your chart. And that's true with all the other signs too, actually, um, and their planetary rulers. We'll cover planets later though. But uh, avoidance and escapism can be an issue with Pisces uh, because, hey, it's not easy to be tuned in and tapped in to the collective consciousness all the time. That can be very intense. The less harmful version of escapism might just look like inattentiveness or someone, you know, quote unquote, having their head in the clouds. Uh, I'm thinking of a child sitting in their class at school who is not really learning like they could be because even though they're being quiet and not causing any disruptions, they're actually not paying attention because they're daydreaming a lot. Now, daydreams can be great sometimes, especially if you use them to fuel a creative project or something like that, but they can get destructive too if you can't pull yourself out of them when you need to focus. The more damaging kind of escapism, though, when it gets to an extreme, could also be any kind of addiction. Uh, that could be an addiction to food, substances, gambling, shopping, social media, television, anything that offers an escape from reality. Fortunately, Pisces has other traits that can work as an antidote for this, and that is their deep wisdom, and their deep connection to spirit, both of which they can rely on to get them out of a tough spot. Okay, that's it. We've covered all 12 signs. I think 
what might be a really helpful thing to do between now and the next episode is to pull up your natal chart and start putting the information covered in the last few episodes together. And here's how you can do that. Look at your chart and focus in on the houses of your chart. The line where each house begins going counterclockwise around the wheel is called the house cusp. And you can take a look at the cusp of each house and see what sign that cusp is in. The sign that cusp is in is the ruler of that particular house for you. That sign is going to flavor the way that you show up in that part of your life. So take a look at your houses and think about the part of your life that that house represents. And you can go back and listen to the episode on houses if you need to, or pull up the the cheat sheet I gave you that are in the show notes for that episode and start thinking about how the qualities of that particular sign have shown up or do show up in that part of your life. This is really going to help you understand yourself a lot better. And it's also going to help reinforce that idea that we are all made up of all the signs and not just the sun sign. It's a great way to start reading your chart. I wouldn't worry about the planets for now. We'll get to those soon. Uh, For now, I would just focus on these two things, signs and houses, and how they blend together. Feel free to contact me if questions come up while you do this. I'd love to hear what your questions are. You can contact me via my Substack page, and the link for that is in the show notes for this episode. In the meantime, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you could subscribe either by signing up on Substack or simply by pressing the follow button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. That will ensure that you never miss an episode when it's released. You can also rate or review the podcast. And if you do any of these things, it will really help out the show. And I thank you for that. Thank you so much for dropping in today and spending this time with me. I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will see you next time.